Hello, everybody, and welcome to Talking Themes, the public speaking podcast where we talk themes. And we take one theme per week and we discuss how you could use it, how you could change it, and how you could make it exciting for your new speech. Say hi to everyone, Jules. Hi, everyone. And I'm obviously James, and this week we're excited to take you through speeches on the environment. As per usual, we're going to do three things. The first thing we're going to look at is just a little bit of context to just to make sure we're all on the same page. Then we're going to have a look at what we call the consensus method of getting us even further on the same page and having a look at the things that are kind of assumed knowledge. And then we're going to look at some strategies that you can employ when it comes to uh, your next speech on the environment. And I'm going to throw it straight to you, Jules. You're a bit of an environment guy. So give us a little bit of a context as to where, why, how you would do a speech on the environment. So the environment is there around us all the time in terms of public notice. It's one of the, as Kevin Wright said, the moral uh, challenge of our generation. And then he went back on it. So that sort of context is pretty intense. We see lots of speeches on the environment, don't we, James? We really do. And, in, and there are so many different aspects of the environment, obviously, climate change, pollution, uh, endangered species, poaching, all sorts of issues that come under this, under, under this huge heading. Yeah, and in preparation for this, Jules and I just had a really interesting discussion about whether we should separate the environment from animal welfare, for example, because there's just so much to cover and they're such big issues. Uh, Jules, would you suggest separating the two if you could or would you suggest linking them together? What would you do? Look, I think one of the basic things about speech making is that you can link things and it's a a matter of finding a path through them. So if you're looking at environmental issues, clearly it pertains to animals because, for instance, we raise millions of animals every year, many billions of animals every year that are raised for human food. And that has an effect on the environment through methane and so on. So you can see that uh, consumption of water, um, uh, resources are used in raising those animals and it's not a particularly efficient way of of producing food. So we can see that there are issues right across all these elements. The interesting thing about it is how can you make a speech that actually mines these things in ways that everyone doesn't already know. Yeah, so that moves us on to our our next thing, which is let's look at some of the assumed knowledge in the environment section. Uh, Under the environment theme, I'll I'll grab the first one. Uh, My one is going to be rising sea levels. Now, when I say this, I don't mean that it's not true. I mean that everyone should know it to be true. Uh, So that means that the idea itself as part of this theme of the environment is probably there, but it needs to be done slightly differently than just saying, did you know the sea level is going to go up? And I think that's that's my, my first one. What do you think, Jules? What's your next I think another classic one that a lot of kids use in speeches because it really captures their imagination is the huge floating island of plastic. Uh Ah, the rubbish island. Yeah. And the statistics there are astonishing and kids can spend a lot of time in a speech on just listing the the trillions of tonnes and the microplastics that are leaching from them. And that information is interesting. But of course, information alone doesn't make a speech. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know... 
I think with Garbage Island, uh, I think it is an interesting concept, uh, but it probably is veering us down that path towards an information report rather than a speech that's going to leave us with something that, that makes us feel or something that makes us think beyond just the apparent garbage floating in the ocean. And this is, this is a problem with environmental issues because there is so much information out there and we're, we're, it's, we're nagged about the problems consistently. There's this, a, almost a, a thrill in the disaster notion of environmental yeah, issues. Yeah, obviously global warming and things like that are catastrophic. And so the, the next thing for me is where people tell us that it's catastrophic. I think that that idea is better reinforced by experts. And unless you are an expert, um, this is probably not the best coming out of the mouth of babes, so to speak. Yes, and let alone adults. I mean, who, who amongst us has done all the analysis of the data? And that doesn't mean that we, we, we become climate skeptics, obviously. Oh, I am. But, absolutely. Yeah. I don't think it exists. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But it means that who's qualified to talk about these things? So I think both James and I would agree is trying to mind as something that, that, that you can latch onto as a speaker that you find engaging to yourself in the environment, whether it's some specific place that affect on some specific people or animal or something that draws our attention to that issue. Yeah, we'll be looking at that in our next part as well, which is kind of how to improve these things. Jules, do you have another kind of pet peeve that you you kind of want to bring up in terms of assumed knowledge that i think another aspect of assumed knowledge is there's just so much of that often people try to meld many factors into one speech instead of choosing something and so they'll have a speech that migrates from plastic to air pollution to coal mining to to you know whatever else mm. um, and so the threads get lost yeah and and this is this is a really common thing that happens in speeches in general, but it's also a really, really common thing that happens in speeches about the environment. And there's just so much. The sad fact is, not only is there just so much, there's so much going wrong. And so what happens is, you as a speech maker gets into list territory, mm. and list territory is just a big no-no from my end. Um, Particularly when it's a list that everyone is aware of already. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. And there's one thing that audience members don't like, and we do speak about this quite a bit, but audience members generally don't like being preached to. Um, they don't like being kind of made to feel small or even to some extent made to feel overwhelmed by the scope and the enorm enormity of, it, of an issue. Or just guilty about it. Yeah, exactly. Guilt's an interesting emotion. It can be played on in speeches, but probably is not a great place to start. I think that's uh, that's it from, from my perspective in terms of assumed knowledge. Just to recap quickly, we know that rising sea levels are happening. We know global warming's happening. We know Rubbish Island exists. And we know there's a lot of things going wrong with the environment. So how do we fix them? And we also know that kids are passionate about these issues and good for them. But how do they find a way through that passion to engage an audience? Yeah, so let's talk navigation. Uh, Jules, if you were going to fix the rubbish island idea to make it less rubbishy and make it more applicable to a speech that is going to leave some takeaways with your audience, how would you go about it? I've heard it so many times. 
times I yeah. probably, probably first thing I'd do is avoid it, James. Yeah. But um, I suppose I'd look for some aspect about Rubbish Island that is absolutely fresh, um, that, that takes the audience to some sort of understanding about the specific things they might be able to do or understand about yeah, this is a funny one because just as you were saying that, I was kind of like, what's fresh about Rubbish Island? And then I thought, <laughs> wouldn't it be funny, like funny, sad, funny, if, you know, you started your speech with, you know, talking about the latest piece of rubbish to join Rubbish Island or like a specific weird Took thing. It on a journey yeah, through its process. Yeah, a specific weird thing that, that ended up washing up on this on this island. You've just got to think about how can I... How can I flip this somehow? Mm. You know, it's not the example is bad. And this is what we, we always say. It's not the example's bad. It's not that your heart's in the wrong place. Mm. It's the example's being used. So it's a bit tired. How do we get around that? Uh, I think that would be a cool way of doing it. Anything else that jumps straight to mind? Um, I think if we if we look at the the example of, of coal mining, mm-hmm. um, you know, the... The obvious trope you can go for there is our Prime Minister taking a lump of coal into Parliament. Yeah. Um, I think the problem with these things is that we it's such an obvious example that it's very hard to take it anywhere interesting. Mm, mm, absolutely. So when we've got uh, those kind of those kind of speeches like we covered in the the first part of our list, which was to do with the the scope of the enormity of the the problem um a lot of people try to refine that problem refine try to um kind of push that problem into a little a little space or a smaller space by um, reaching for a common example so we go to scott morrison's coal or yeah. better Thun, thunberg's protests um which are natural because they're they're key events that the landmarks in the in the dialogue about these issues but again, it's hard to go there freshly. Yeah, it is. I think if I was going to go there um, and try to integrate those kind of examples, I might have a look at it from a different perspective. I mean, we know the Scott Morrison Cole um, depiction. We know Greta and some of the fantastic things that they've been able to achieve. Um, when we look at it from a different perspective, we might be able to add more to this speech. So instead of just looking at Greta and ScoMo, we might be able to look at it from a perspective of what 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 the people that live around a coal mine feel or experience and see. Yes, whether they're a, a coal mining family or they're a farming family whose land may be impinged upon by the mine. So we go specifically down to the people who are directly affected and draw back out from that. That's right. And I think that out of an Australian context and into a US context, they've got uh, a lot of coal seam gas that happens over there as well. And um, one of the things about the fracking that occurs over there is that they have these stories of people trying to turn on their water and out of the water would, would shoot you know, gaseous, gaseous things that were, you know, able to be, yeah, able to be lit, Mm. um, to a point where some people had actual fire coming out of Mm. their, out of their water taps. And in contrast to those personal stories that enliven a speech, we have the fact that America has achieved fossil fuel independence by mining 
those fossil those um, those shale oils and so on. Yeah, absolutely. So it's just about making sure that if you are going to try and use one of those examples, try and find a counterpart to it, maybe in a different place, or try and find a different perspective that you can bring to it. And going back to your idea of rising sea level, instead of talking about how the coastal towns of the world are going to be inundated, a grand view, maybe looking at a fishing village in a Pacific island and the effect on the life of the people there. Yeah, and, and I think you raise a good point there, Jules, when, when you say look at a fishing village in a particular place. Um, make sure you don't just say fishing villages and then you, you skirt over the analysis. Because you're not going into the lives of real people. Exactly, because that, yes, improves the idea of rising sea levels by a little bit, uh, in terms of its effectiveness in a speech, but it probably doesn't add as much value as it could add. It also gives you a chance to shift where you begin your speech or where you focus your speech. So you might start talking about a woman who's a fisher, a fisher person in Tuvalu or wherever it is, and, then, and you talk about their life. And then you, the fact that you're talking about climate change sneaks up on the audience in an interesting way. Yeah, absolutely. And, and these are the... These are kind of important general tips, but can be particularly good when it comes to the environment because humanizing the, the, the cost of climate change is something that um, we, we try and do in the media, but it's, a really, it's still an effective um, way of, of communicating a message. And humanizing the cost of something does not necessarily mean listing all of the costs. In fact, I would, I would say that's like the, the opposite of humanizing something. Yes, it's to make the experience real. Yeah. And then that then shows how not acting in something has a real cost in people's lives instead of an abstract notion. Yeah, and by extension, what that means is that you can come to better conclusions. It means that you can ramp up the speech a little bit more. So what that does um, through manipulating that type of evidence, it means that you give yourself more options in terms of where you're going to go with that speech. Which brings us to the fact that we're not trying to present you with formulae about how to do this. We're just suggesting you look firstly at things that are a little bit different approaches that things are different from the standard uh, approach to creating a speech like this and secondly most importantly that it engages you because if you're interested in it it's likely that you'll interest the audience yeah and that's great great advice for any speech all right so we're gonna um kind of bring this podcast to a close in terms of uh, your environment speeches good luck in those speeches any final remarks in terms of just like one gem piece of advice that you might give to someone that's about to embark on their environmental journey i don't know about a gem but i i to reiterate what i've just said speeches that are, are fabricated to be impressive because they deal with a big issue are much less engaging than speeches that come from someone's real heart and interest yeah that's exactly right uh, from me, it's just this. Everybody is going to be affected by climate change. People that don't know that, you're probably not going to convince. So, with that in mind, what are you going to leave the people that already agree with you? How are you going to extend them from your speech and through your research? That's what you should focus on in pretty much all speeches, but it's so important about the environment. Yes, yeah, Preaching to the converted is a very difficult thing to do well. 
It absolutely is, and I'm glad that we are actually converted in terms of uh, having less and less climate change deniers every day. All right, guys, we're going to leave you with that, and uh, good luck in your speeches. Huru from me and from Jules. Bye, guys. See ya.